Hi, this is Dion Beg from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 82. Hello, and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again, as usual, is Sandy McKay. So, yeah, yeah hey. Um, Back out again, another episode. Pretty pumped for this one because uh, I haven't even—I didn't even hear it. So you did it all yourself. Yeah, that's right. You, this one will be new and fresh to you too, and you'll get to learn along with all the other listeners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were busy this time. We had this one uh, booked, but you know what? It, it went really well, and um, our guest Will Mitchell is an investor, and he helps Canadians invest in Belize. So it was—it uh, was pretty interesting. And uh, something I think a lot of people will be interested in. Totally, yeah. I mean, uh, and he's Canadian, which is cool. Yes. Um, and, he's, and he's found a way to do that. So, yeah, ties in with that personal Belize thing everyone always says, right? Yeah, and, you know, speaking of the fact that he's Canadian, we actually did something that we've never done before. We had a guest booked. And then at the last minute, I kind of went, you know what? This doesn't really fit with um, – what we're trying to accomplish, the goals of this podcast. And that was that there was no, like the guy had a fantastic story. Um, really, really interesting, very successful, you know, came from nothing and, and has built a, a tremendous career and portfolio in real estate. And there was no Canadian connection at all. So, you know, um, uh, just looking at what we were trying to accomplish with this podcast, I kind of went, I don't think it's right. And so then you and I had to talk about it and ultimately we decided it's more important to keep, I think, uh, the, the idea behind why we created the show. And that was what, because there's not really any Canadian focused investment info out there. Well, there's more now. There's, there's more now than there ever was before. Well, but, sure. Yeah. But when we started it, there was nothing like all, I, all we could find was American info. And, and though that's good, you can learn a lot from it. I just thought it'd be really helpful to have a, a strict Canadian focus. So, you know, that was a hard decision, but ultimately I think it was the right one. And we want to keep on bringing people relevant information that they, that they can actually, it's actionable for them as Canadian. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah, exactly, right back to the, that's the whole uh, mission of the whole uh, show at the very beginning since we started five, uh, five plus years ago now. And, um, and, and we need to remind people a few housekeeping things, I guess, before we get going, right? BreakthroughRAPodcast.ca is a great resource. That's where you see all of our shows, and you can also pick up our free report, The Ultimate, Strat- the Ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth Through Real Estate, and 
super important that they know the website now because we've got some feedback lately, Rob, from iTunes um, that, that we're actually not, you're not able to see all of our shows anymore on iTunes, are you? Yeah, that's right. Only the last 50 shows are there. So if you want to see any of the ones before that, some of the earlier episodes, and a lot of them are pretty good, um, you, you have to go to the website. So for some reason, iTunes will only let you log a certain amount, or I'm not sure if there's a way for us to put, maybe we should look into that. But regardless, we used to have, uh, we used to have a bunch on there and I think they changed it anyways. Yeah. We'll look into regardless. That. If you want to, if you want to hear the rest of the episodes, just go through break, go to breakthrough podcast.ca and there uh, you'll see all of, you know, you can go on there and you can make comments and that's another really, really, uh, really interesting thing I think that people should be doing is going on and leaving a comment and what you liked and what you didn't like on the different episodes, because there's a spot right there. Just click through onto whatever episode you want to talk about and you can make a comment. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, something you learned, something you think you should have learned, but maybe you didn't learn whatever the case may be. And then of course we've got Facebook links and LinkedIn links and links upon links there for any multitude of ways to get in touch with us. And so what else are we going to, anything else to go through before we get into the, into the uh, episode here with Will? You know what? Um, I was looking at iTunes here. I've got it in front of me again and we've got a couple cool posts or cool, uh, cool comments. Yeah. I've got a couple new comments I was going to read. Um, you know, now we got, we, now we have 211 uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. And, you know, we've got two one-star reviews, four two-star reviews, seven three-stars, four eight-stars, and 195-star reviews. Wow. So most people like it. Um, I think there was only one one-star review before, so I'm going to have to see what that one was. I'll go back well, at some point and check and it out. The other fun thing, Rob, I didn't even mention this to you. I, was, I, I wanted to look through it because uh, I haven't in a little bit. I think we're up we got to be actually approaching it, maybe even beyond the million, million download mark on our show. Oh, is that right? We're very yeah, close we should to find it. out about that. I was, I, was, I was looking at it quickly, and I was saying we got to do some math on this and run the numbers, because uh, I remember last time we, we talked about it, we were like three, 400,000 maybe, and I actually think we might be above a million. So that's pretty cool. Oh, is that right? Well, if that's the case, we should have a million download party or something, like All a right. special episode. I was thinking something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just, for the fun of it, I went back to see what the, what the most critical one was. So it's uh, the guy says, just get to the show. <laughs> Stop doing much, what we're doing right now. Yeah, exactly. Too much chatter and long advertisements to start each show. So it seems like between eight and nine minutes and the host, Oh yeah. Host boasts about the reputation of the show by reading the comments. Right. So there you go. No, this guy doesn't like that. But now, so now I'm going to go to uh, the most recent reviews and read a couple of them. Because I, you know, it's 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 nice to hear this, right? Like it's well, like not fast forward. There is fast forward button if if somebody yeah, wants go, to just breeze through this. Press the skip ahead thirty seconds. Uh, that would be uh, eighteen times, and you'll be into the show. Yeah. Okay. This person named Coop gives it five stars and says, an unreal listen, great invite, great insight for anyone looking at getting into real estate. Haven't heard a lot of what not to do's when diving into the world of REI. Okay, so we'll keep that in mind. 
I'll just, I'm just going to read one more. We've got a couple others here, but I'm going to just skip by those. So this one is, it says, great podcast for all levels of investors, five stars, by Brent Turner. And he says, I've only recently come across this podcast around two weeks ago. However, I have already been through almost every episode. I haven't been able to find any other resource that even compares to the quality of information Rob Sandy and their guests offer, especially one focused on the Canadian market. I am a 21-year-old investor in Victoria. I'm about to close on my second door, hoping to start making moves faster from this point. And this podcast has been a great resource to allow me to do that. Thanks. There you go. No, we really do appreciate that. And you know what? Like, it's not about bragging about the show. Um, you know, either people like it or they don't like it. But the thing is that this, these reviews help us get out there to other people that might be able to benefit from hearing the show, right? That's it. Yeah, the more reviews, the more actually you get uh... – you get on the top feeds there in iTunes and the more people are going to find out about it and more people can help um, more great guests want to come on because they know we got great listenership and uh, yeah, it all, it all helps everything grow. So we're, we're pumped to read them and uh, could always use a few more and that's about it. Right. Yeah. If you, if you are interested in leaving us a review, just go over to iTunes and you know, sign in and then just write what you're, what were you thinking? Maybe we could use a couple more critical reviews. You know, Sandy, here's one thing, though. I always thought that we did cover the what-ifs and the um, we, we always ask people what their big challenges were and that kind of thing. So we're certainly not trying to just focus on the good, and there's plenty of that, but everyone makes mistakes, and we do try to learn from them. And we definitely try to ask people about their um, some of the ups and downs that they've been through with their investments. So maybe we should bring a little bit more of a focus back to that. I don't know. What do you think? We can do a whole show on uh, the, the failures <laughs> if we want. That might be a fun show. Just you and I can do that. That's true. I, well, probably <laughs> us, one of us alone probably could be a, a whole day, be a 12-hour 12 uh, 12 episode or something. But yeah, yeah I think uh, that might feel a little negative, right? You gotta but we're, wins. Yeah, and we're still here, right? Yeah. We're still here even through all of those negatives. So, uh, okay, moving on. Yeah, let's get into our interview with Will. Um, again, Sandy, you haven't heard this, but there's some really interesting tips and advice and um, just just the, the dynamic uh, dynamics of what this place has to offer in Belize. And uh, he invests specifically on an island off the coast of Belize, which is still part of it, called Ambergris Key. And uh, it sounds like a pretty interesting investment opportunity. So I think I've said interesting enough, though, for today. So let's get into our interview. We are here today with Will Mitchell. And Will is an experienced real estate investor and the author of The Investor's Guide to Belize Real Estate. While growing up in Calgary, Alberta, he regularly visited the country of Belize, which must have been nice. And uh, after gaining some experience in the Canadian market, went down to seize the budding real estate opportunities that Belize had to offer. A graduate of the University of Victoria in British Columbia, Will's many years of real estate and uh, experience. Wow, I'm on a roll today, Will. I'm really good, man. You're kind of <laughs> getting me into it right now. I was getting ready to be the first one to mess up. But... Now you had to get up pretty early in the morning to beat me at that. Uh, <laughs> 
Will's many years of real estate experience in both Canada and Belize offer him a unique ability to recognize opportunities others would miss. So thank you, Will, for being here. Yes, man. I appreciate you having me on, Rob. Hope I didn't mess up that intro too badly for you. You know what? It's kind of nice for me because now I'm just a little bit more relaxed, eased into the podcast, so I can make a a couple mistakes here and there too, so it's all good. Intro is perfect. Well, well, I have to tell you, this is something I'm actually really, really interested in. After we got in touch initially, I went and watched some of your videos that you have online, and it's definitely intriguing. So I am looking forward to this and hearing what you have to say, um, especially when we get down to some of these financing questions. So uh, let's start off, though, with, you know, you're a Canadian citizen. Why, this, why did you choose to invest in Belize? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this is going to be a super unique podcast for a lot of your listeners. They're probably sitting reading this Belize, you know, this is a Canadian real estate podcast, but there's so many parallels between Canada and Belize that really make it an attractive market from a real estate investing perspective. So for me growing up, I was involved in Belize my whole life, uh, regularly visited, you know, obviously it's a beautiful country, but there was more than that that was attractive from a real estate perspective. So it's a British common law country. There's full foreign ownership, fee simple title. One of the kind of most interesting parallels I find when you look at the money in Belize, it's very colorful. It has the queen on it. So like right away when you get down there, you feel like you're in Canada. But for me as a young guy, I kind of, you know, graduate university. I was involved in the Canadian real estate market. I worked for a company called Main Street Equity. It's one of the larger multifamily companies in Canada and got some good experience there. After that, I kind of wanted to just go out on a limb try something new and you know i'd been involved in belize i knew a lot of these parallels were there and i kind of wanted to get involved in the emerging market where you know maybe i could find a higher return so belize kind of fit the bill for all of those things okay so now let's talk about where i guess it's located where where is belize exactly yeah that's a great question so belize is south of mexico um it's north of guatemala and it's on the caribbean sea so You get these beautiful kind of white sand inlets. You have lush jungle. But there's some key distinctions between Belize and Mexico and Guatemala and a lot of these countries that, you know, people probably are not aware of. The biggest one is the legal system. So it's British common law. Uh, When you compare and contrast that to other countries in the region, a lot of those countries are based on Napoleonic civil law. So how is that applicable to real estate? Well, British common law, we have full foreign ownership. We have fee simple title. When you look at other countries in the region, generally it's based on Napoleonic civil law. So that's a two-tier ownership structure. And you know the key thing about that is locals and foreigners do not have the same ownership rights. So when we're looking at a real estate market, we want to see, you know, do we really own the property? Before I'm going to kind of dive into, can I actually make money on this from an investment perspective? Can I actually own the property? So that was kind of a key factor when looking at Belize. Um, you know, aside from that. The reason why Belize is such a passion for me, it's more than just a real estate thing. It's just the, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I won't say the most because, you know, Canada is amazing, but you just do have the blue hole. You have these amazing kind of white sand inlets. It's nice to get up in the morning and hop on the boat and, you know, shoot from island to island. So it's very, very unique in that regard. What is the blue hole? Okay, so the great Belize blue hole You guys got to Google this and check this out. It's a kind of a sinkhole in the middle of the ocean. And actually, crazy thing that just happened with this blue hole. Richard Branson, 
And so basically back in the day, Jacques Cousteau was one of the first guys to go down and explore the blue hole. But Richard Branson just kind of did a partnership with Jacques Cousteau's grandson. And they went to the bottom of this giant sinkhole. It's in the middle of the ocean. You'll see this kind of beautiful light blue water around it. And then just this dark blue hole in the middle. So these kind of really unique natural phenomenons that Belize is home to. And that's just one of them. Okay. Okay. It sounds really interesting. And I mean, uh, I've been all over that area, actually, really, the only vacations I've taken are down, you know, in Cuba or Bahamas or that area, right? So, um, so I, I kind of think I know the feeling that it is. And yeah, it's like, at least that area for me is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. So if it's anything like, say, the beaches on Cuba, then um, you're looking at some pretty nice beaches and it's not just the beaches that we have the unique thing that belize has to offer is the largest barrier reef in the western hemisphere so it's Mm -hmm. the belize barrier reef it stretches you know hundreds of miles down the beachfront so it's more than a beach destination the reason why our tourism numbers are so strong and you know not to give away kind of what's going to happen later in the podcast but tourism is kind of the key market driver right so that's the most important data we look at but it's because we have you know things like the reef that stretches all the way down the beach the best diving in the world some of the best snorkeling in the world so it's very unique in that regard as well now i it's a it's a pretty large country right so where within belize do you focus on why yeah that's a great question so in terms of the actual kind of population and population density it's actually one of the it's, it's more like canada in that it's one of the least densely populated countries in the Western Hemisphere, I think it's the fourth, you know, smallest. So the population is about three hundred and eighty thousand. So when you're looking at that, it's like, hmm. you know, pretty insignificant. Right? <laughs> really, yeah. Yeah, but the, what what that leads to is there's a lot of room for growth. And one other key thing that I want to touch on before kind of diving into like specific areas of Belize, a very important kind of uh, policy and factor the government has implemented that directly affects real estate is that forty six percent of the land is dedicated to National Park and Marine Reserve. How so much, sorry? 46%. 46%, okay. Wow. So aside from just kind of you know, <clears throat> maintaining the natural beauty of the country, which is the reason why you know, we obviously love going and tourism is growing and you know, expats are retiring to Belize, it's also created a limit on the supply of ownable and developable land. So when you know, the, the growth in the market continues and we have that limit on supply, what we're seeing is appreciation of real estate. And that's, you know, a policy that they have no problem to change in the near future. So very applicable to the real estate market. So are you blocked in right now? Like how much, how much land that can be used for development is left? There, there must be a significant oh, so a, the, Basically to kind of touch, so you ask like where within Belize do I focus? We focus on the island of Ambergris Key. Now the reason we focus on that is because when you're looking at, you know, a market, what's going to continue to drive the market? In our specific case, we kind of have two key foundation pillars. That's tourism and then baby boomers. So between these two things, this is kind of what's driving the economy. And the number one destination for tourism actually receives over 70% of the tourism is Ambergris Key. So this is the largest island in Belize. It's also the number one destination for expats to relocate to. So when you look at kind of the things that are driving our market, those two things are, you know, the Ambergris Key is the number one recipient of both of those things. 
So it's the largest island in Belize. It's 12 miles long, three miles wide at its widest. If any of your listeners have ever heard of Belize, then you know I'm sure they went to Ambergris Key at some point in their trip. It's basically kind of this beautiful, funky Caribbean island. People like it because it's not Cancun. You know, we don't have these big kind of senior frog type things. It's very boutique and bohemian and just kind of a funky place. So just to kind of break down those tourism stats though, because like I said, they are the key driver of the market. When we're looking at the tourism stats, there's three ways visitors can come to Belize. They can come by land, which is, you know, generally it's a a traveler just going from either Guatemala to Mexico, or it's more of a local traveler. So they don't really affect the real estate market. The second way they can come is by boat. So, you know, maybe some of your listeners have been to Belize on a cruise ship. Again, they're not a big impact on the market because when they come in, they get off the boat for four hours, they go buy a couple knickknacks, then they get on the boat and they don't really have time to analyze whether they like, you know, Belize, whether they like the area, whether they're interested in investing in property there. The guys that really affect the market are the ones that come on the airplane, they land, they spend about five to seven days in Belize. That's kind of the main tourism numbers we track. And, you know, they're the key impact on the market. When we look at those guys, Belize has been one of the fastest growing regions within the entire Caribbean area in terms of tourism, specifically the island of Ambergris Key, which we're focused on, because, uh, you know, it's 70% of the overnight tourism arrivals. When you look at a breakdown of the stats from over the course of the past three years, we've seen above 10% growth in tourism each year. So it's growth on top of growth on top of growth, and it's directly affecting real estate values. Also, when you look at our market, we don't rent on a monthly basis. So just to kind of contrast what your listeners are used to, I'm sure most of your listeners probably have units they rent on a monthly basis. Is that correct? It's hard to say, but I would imagine so. I mean, yeah. that's usually where people are coming from. And then and then eventually maybe get to one or two uh, with Airbnb or whatever. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's a great point. So like our market, it just does not make sense to do anything monthly, right? That's kind of the difference. I'm sure you, you have a variety for sure. Um, with us, nobody rents on a monthly basis because the nightly returns are just so much higher, right? So it's kind of a key contrast with our market to what some people are used to in the Canadian market. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess you've sort of explained a little bit of the history of the island, but I mean, as far as like Canadians going down there and development and all that kind of stuff, like how did that start out? It's a great question. So basically it's always been a country that is pro foreign investment. That's another thing you want to look at when looking abroad, right? Um, is the country looking to kind of have foreigners come in and develop, right? And, you know, while locals are developing as well, are they kind of more of a protective economy where they don't like that? Right. Belize has always been, you know, pro foreign investment. They see that when new development comes in, this creates jobs for local citizens. And, you know, that's what's going to obviously drive the economy. So, they love to see that. And it's been a lot of kind of foreign investment, foreign development. And again, it's kind of the breakdown of why these people are looking at it. It's because they can come down, uh, for Canadians especially, like Scotiabank is in Belize. The Queen is on the money. It's British common law. So there's just so many parallels um, to Canada that make it attractive for them to come down. 
again, it's uh, the other thing is to obviously you want to know, can you be in the country for an extended period of time? And with Canadians and just about anyone in the world, actually, if they come down to Belize, you can stay for kind of an extended period just on a tourist visa. Even. So if you come in on a tourist visa, you can renew that on a monthly basis. Uh, you can invest within the market and there's no kind of barrier or border to doing that as well. Oh, well, I have to tell you, it sounds intriguing. So what, what kind of things can people do when they're there? Let's talk about that because, I mean, it's one thing to, to have a, a vacation home or somewhere that um, the idea of having a nightly rental is great, but what are, what are your guests going to be doing when they're visiting? Great question. You know, we probably should kind of break that down first because that's the reason why people are coming. So. Right. Just to give you kind of an example, the main things that people will do, go snorkeling. Um, we have all these kind of protected national parks along the reef. They can go visit the Blue Hole, which we talked about earlier. There's Mayan ruins throughout the country. So these kind of amazing historical sites. Um, lush jungle. You can go zip lining, horseback riding through the jungle. Um, it just really doesn't end. You can go hang out on these beaches. We have so many amazing kind of white sand inlets that are undeveloped currently. So what I like to do with my friends, we'll catch a bunch of fish and lobster, boat over there, grab a couple bottles of rum, and you know you just hang out for the day, grill some fish up. Uh, fishing is amazing in Belize. Because the reef is 400 yards off the coast of the island, you can go reef fishing in a matter of minutes. If you go behind the reef, you're deep sea fishing. If you know you decide you want to go fly fishing, you can go to the leeward side of the island and go fly fishing. And if you're feeling a little more adventurous, you have a spear, throw the spear in and you can go spear fishing. So it really is kind of a water sport destination, just as much as it is a beach destination because the reef and you have these nice kind of breezes for anyone who's looking to do kite surfing or windsurfing or anything like that. So there's just so many options. And again, if you just want to chill on the beach and relax for your stay, you can do that as well. So it's kind of the best of both worlds there. Uh, where do you live, Will? So I live on the island of Ambergris Key in San Pedro. So you actually town. live there? I live there, yeah. But we, we do a lot of different kind of events. We do presentations around Canada, the U.S., but most of my time, I would say about 90%, I live on the island of Ambergris Key. Oh, great. So that's So you must love it there then. You know what, Rob? It's a, it's a tough life, but somebody's got to learn <laughs> to sacrifice. <laughs> to take one for the team. I'll take uh, one for the team any day, man. I like it. Um, okay, so we kind, we went over, obviously, we talked about the difference between the nightly rental market and the monthly rental market. And obviously down there, it makes a lot more sense to do the rentals nightly, like you were explaining. So there's So, but let's say I want to come down. I want to stay, like you said, I can get an extended stay there. Are, are these people, like, are you willing to rent some of your places out, say, for a couple of months? For me, I tend to avoid it. In some, you know, kind of special cases, I will do that. But the reality is, when you look at kind of a breakdown of our overall kind of inventory in the market, and this is a, a good way to kind of branch into the development of the island. So when you look at the way the island's been developed. It's not like in Canada where someone can get, you know, bigger development financing and build out a big project, right? Mm -hmm. In our specific case, it's kind of stage building payments. 
It's a slower growth within the overall inventory count in the market. So we haven't really seen uh, an increase in the amount of overall nightly rentals even in response to the growth in tourism that we've had. So for someone to actually go ahead and say, you know what, yeah, we're willing to rent on a monthly basis, which is possible, some people do do that. It's someone who is more kind of hands off, they don't want to be actively involved or you know, find someone to manage their property. There's a couple properties like that, but because we haven't had a significant growth in inventory and occupancy rates are some of the highest in the region and you know, rental rates are some of the highest in the region, it's pretty rare that you'll see someone do that because they're basically turning away you know, a much higher return. So let's talk about um, how you source these properties. Where do you find them? Yeah, it's a great question. In Belize, They're all great questions. I, yeah. I only ask great questions. I love it. They're all, <laughs> they're all the perfect questions. But, you know, in Belize, <laughs> we don't have kind of a formal MLS. So there's no, you know, go on the MLS and see which deals are the best deals right now. And, you know, use that kind of, you know, data to dig through and find deals that might work for you. Right, okay. We have a you know, much more inefficient market. So when you are looking for deals, I'm not saying there's not properties listed online. Any of the listeners could go on there right now. They could dig through and find all of the you know, listings that are kind of available, but it's not as formalized as Canada. So for me, I'm always just kind of listing around. And the great thing about this, generally you can find higher returns in the inefficiencies. So because everyone doesn't have access to the same information, it's a lot easier for you know, people who are involved in the market to kind of dig through and find a deal that might yield them a higher return. Okay, so, so okay, uh, how do you do that then? Let's dig deeper. Dig do, you, deeper. Do, you, do you walk along the beach and, and see which places might, like they stick a sign in the ground or? Um, what, sure. walk, walk along the beach. Sometimes you might even just find a, something that you think makes sense in an emerging area, do a title search, see who owns it and get in touch with the owner and make an offer on it. Okay. Um, look to kind of areas that are emerging. There's one specific area of the Island that I'm kind of heavily involved in. It's called secret beach. Secret beach is on the West coast of the Island. So just to break down the historical development of the Island, in most major tourism destinations, the island is heavily developed on the, the west coast because that's where you have a sunset view, right? It commands a higher value, more demand for that. In our specific case, because we have the reef on the east coast of the island, the island is just heavily, heavily developed on the east coast. So when you look at beachfront property, how it's valued in Belize, it's on a per linear foot basis. <clears throat> So beachfront property on the East Coast is valued at about $10,000 per linear foot. When you look at the West Coast right now, it's about $6,000 per linear foot. So it's much cheaper on the West Coast right now than it is the East Coast. And that's just because when the island was first developed, it was kind of a sleepy fishing village. They didn't realize it was going to become one of the top emerging destinations within Belize and within the Caribbean, actually. It was just like a few fishermen. They wanted to get out in the morning, go cast their lines, reel in a couple fish, get back to their wives and chill under a palm tree with a coconut. Sounds good. I mean, it's a good life, right? You can't complain about that. But 
you know, currently now we're in a situation where the island is, you know, developing at a rapid rate. Tourism has become a major driver in the economy. And the West Coast has basically, to this point, remained somewhat undeveloped. So I look a lot to the West Coast to find my deals, not to say there aren't on the East Coast. Another key thing to note about Belize, all the beaches are public access. So in some cases, if I'm looking for a deal, I might find something that's just a little bit off the beach because I can you know, invest one-tenth the amount and still yield a very similar return. So all the beaches are public. It's a 66-foot beach reserve. Uh, it's called the Queen's Beach. Okay. That's interesting. Didn't know that. 66 yeah. feet up. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, this is the one that I'm most interested in because uh, this one gets me excited. What type of financing opportunities are available? Financing. It's the key thing, right? Right. And yeah. Deal without the financing. So traditional bank financing is not as readily available in Belize as it is in Canada. So if you are capable of securing traditional bank financing, you'll be looking at interest rates of about 11%. Um, you know, they're looking to get a higher amount down on those. So it's not as you know, available as it is in Canada. When we're looking at real estate deals, and just to kind of break down why that is. So our banking industry is somewhat different than Canada, we have the novel concept of maintaining a reserve requirement, right? In Canada, obviously, we have a fractional reserve system, which has its benefits. The fractional reserve system means for every kind of dollar you deposit into your bank account, the banks can lend multiples of that out, right? right. Yep. In Belize, the banks are required to maintain a 24% reserve. So for every dollar someone deposits, they can only lend out 76 cents of that dollar. Now, there's two effects of this that are important. The first one is that it's an extremely kind of safe and secure banking system. Um, there's never been a banking failure in the history of the country. But the downside and flip side of the coin is that it's more expensive for them to lend money out, right? It's not as readily available. They have to maintain that reserve. So when you actually do go to you know, give a loan or a mortgage, it's more expensive. So another kind of criteria when I'm looking at an investment property does it have kind of a seller financing type thing I can negotiate? Is the vendor willing to do some sort of deal where you make payments directly to the vendor? Um, can I, you know, do some sort of real estate syndication? This is something that a lot of investors in the market will do because without that kind of traditional bank financing, there's less people who are kind of, you know, working for these deals. So it creates an opportunity for the guys who can get together create some sort of real estate syndication and invest in those opportunities or the guys who can kind of negotiate developer financing or seller financing on those deals. Okay. Now just to give us a little bit of an idea here on how things work, like, so you, you, you gave us the, the, the price per foot on the East and West coast. Yep. What, and that's just for land. Yep. So that's, for, that's for land. Yeah. So if you're looking at a typical uh, investment property that you might be interested in as something to rent out as a nightly rental, you're on the beach versus the one you were talking about, which was just slightly up from the beach, I guess. Give us some like rough prices and, uh, and rental rates. So for like, just to throw it a kind of standard example, a lot of people kind of want to get a condo on the beach. 
generally for like a 1200 square foot condo on the beach, those are starting at about 425,000 US. So it's a significant upfront investment for those. What a lot of my kind of clients or people that are investing with me will look to do is find somewhere that is just kind of a nice piece of land. There's several developments that we kind of look to in several areas. It's a lot cheaper to build and secure the land. So what they will do is kind of find a nice parcel. The other advantage of doing that is they can build multiple units on a lot. So if you go that route, you know, you could get a 50 by 75 lot, build kind of three smaller units on that. Your build cost is going to be for something, you know, kind of solid, Belgian hardwood. It'll be about, you know, 125 bucks a foot. You can build out three smaller units. And instead of investing in that condo on the beach, you've just take, <clears throat> excuse me, taken your return and put a three X in it because you now have three units as opposed to one. And you know, your cost can even be somewhat cheaper because you're doing it on a three unit basis there. Okay. And how is the, so you're, so how is the, I know you said that they're easy, but how's the process of development in Belize? It kind of depends how you go. You know, I wouldn't say it's easy because anywhere in the world issues can come up and Belize is no different. So I would never say, you know, there's a guarantee everything's going to go smooth, but, <laughs> right? Like you, as soon as you hear that, you should run. There's many different routes you can go. Sometimes I'll have guys that come down and they're like, yeah, I'm a builder in Canada. I'm just going to go down and I'm going to build. In those cases, I definitely recommend partnering with a local Belizean guy at least or a Canadian or American who's been building within Belize because they can you know, kind of share their expertise and the things you may not know. Um, if you're looking to kind of just find a builder or look to a development that has kind of preset builders, usually that's a little bit more of a safe route because obviously they've vetted the builders and you know, their reputation is on the line and they want to make sure the project is done in a timely manner and you know quality build there's also some other routes you can go one of the kind of more interesting projects that i've done it's in the secret beach area i actually went to the mainland and what many people don't know about belize is we have a large mennonite population so these mennonite guys are some of the hardest working guys in the world they came to belize from germany they actually went to alberta then they migrated south from alberta down to belize and these guys some of the most efficient builders and they do kind of prefabricated units. So I've worked with these guys. This is kind of the easiest way to get the lowest uh, build cost. I'll work with these guys. They'll prefab the units, load them on a barge and ship them over to the Island. And it's kind of the no headache route to go. But obviously with regards to that question, you have so many different routes you could go. Uh, what, what, kind, what, what do these units look like? So these are just simple Belizean hardwood units. I didn't put a lot of kind of, you know, sex with something really basic. They can, you know, tweak them. If you get an architect to kind of do some tweaks to it. For me, I was heavily driven by my ROI, right? I just wanted to see what's kind of the most cost effective unit I could secure. And where's the area that I can put these that's going to give me the highest return. Some people might say, you know what, I'm going to live in this thing for some portion of the year. If that's the case, you may want to kind of design it more to something you would want, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if that is the case, you're going to want to do some tweaks, maybe work with an architect. For me, that didn't really matter because I'm not going to live in these things. I'm going to live in my place and kind of invest where it makes sense. So 
that's why I didn't really make any alterations because the system these guys have developed to build these things is obviously the way they can do it for the most cost effective way. And so what are they? What, what is this? Um, what does the unit look like? Is it how many bedrooms does it have? Oh, okay. so it's a, the ones I'm doing. They're 600 square foot, two bedrooms, pretty kind of just small, basic unit. The rooms are tiny with a living room and a kitchen. Um, in other cases, we're doing some kind of like 300 square foot, small units with a nice kitchenette in there. And all of these, of course, are rented on a nightly basis. Some other people are actively looking to do some kind of bigger homes in that area and potentially rentals on a monthly basis because at this point, the monthly market is just so neglected that um, anyone kind of getting involved in that is still going to make a return. So what is the, what is the nightly rate for your, for those ones that you were talking about? So those units that I have there, they are getting about a hundred dollars per night. It depends on the season. So we have kind of some key seasons within the market. Peak season is December, January, February. After that, it you know, t- goes down a little bit, but we're still pretty much in a high season. Our low season is October, September, and November. But once we get to the end of November, it picks up. So we obviously have kind of a variance in your nightly rates throughout the year. So you need to kind of plan accordingly for that. But overall in the market, we see about a 60% occupancy rate on the island of Ambergris Key. And all of this data, uh, it's released by the BTB, that's the Belize Tourism Board. So if any of the listeners want to check that out and go basically dive into the numbers for themselves, definitely recommend doing that. You can search BTB online. They do full kind of reports on the tourism stats, where the tourists are going. So that's basically where a lot of the data that we use to do our market analysis comes from. Basically, um, it depends on the season, but anywhere from about $80 a night all the way up to $200 a night. And the occupancy rate, like I said, is about 60%. So when you're looking at that, this is the one property uh, with like, I know that everyone is a little bit different, but you know, the, the idea is that you can buy a parcel of land, put like three of these on it, say, and then they're renting for about 80 bucks a night, let's say on average. Is that about right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Now, you, this is really interesting. Do you want to tell us about the Belize Real Estate Investor Trip? Yeah, so the Belize Real Estate Investor Trip, that's one thing we do pretty much every month. And it's the best way to kind of get educated on the Belize market. Obviously, it's a foreign market. You have a lot of questions. It's one thing to just kind of hear it from a video online, hear it from a podcast, but to actually go down, you know, touch it, feel it, see the market, and basically get hands-on experience. That was our objective with this trip. So it's a weekend long. We start kind of on a Friday evening with a brief presentation, um, some dinner. Then the next day we wake up, we get on the boat. Basically, the idea is to show the entire market. We have bankers come in. We have lawyers come in. And just to kind of piggyback on this with my book, the book wasn't just me going in and writing down everything I knew. When you're doing a real estate deal, you have a team, right? You want to leverage the experience of that team. So the book was the exact same concept. And the Belize field trip is the same concept too. It's one thing for just, just to have me there the whole time, but it's a whole other experience when we're bringing in bankers, lawyers, architects, all these different professionals who could be involved in a real estate deal and you're learning from them directly. So that's basically the idea with the trip. We want to show you the market. We kind of cater it to who's on our trip. You know, if someone's more, they have pure investments, um, 
they're aspiring for a purely investment property, then we might do something different than someone who wants to have some personal use there. But it is hands down the best way to get educated on the market. So you say you do them once a month. Yep, we do them once a month. The next one we have is March 1st to the 4th. The April trip is the 5th to the 8th. Our February trip is actually sold out already. So, Wow, okay. And how many people usually are on it? We like to keep the groups relatively small. So usually about 15 to 20 people, no more than 20. We cap it at 20 just because if you get too many people, then you know some people's needs aren't being met. So we've had that before where we had 30, 35 people and it was, you know, obviously a really good time and we had fun, but <laughs> we had like a handful of people who were coming to us saying it was great, but you know, we just didn't cover this, this, and this. So we've decided we cap it at 20 now and make sure everyone kind of their needs are met. Uh, where can people go to learn about this? So learn more about it. We have, let me just pull the link up here so I give the right, uh, the right link. Man, we I, was surprised, I was surprised to hear, to hear that you do it so often, actually, with the once a month. We, yeah, we, we've really been ramping up. One more thing we're doing right now, just as I pull this up, I actually just got back from Edmonton and Calgary. We were doing presentations over there. Uh -huh. Basically, it's like kind of a detailed market overview presentation. This one's kind of more of a conversation, so I don't know if exactly I, you know, everything is laid out as neatly as you know, we might like, but we do these kind of monthly presentations now around the U.S. and Canada, too. So. Okay, so you're doing that once a month. Are you, do you ever plan on coming out to Ontario? Yes, so we're coming to Toronto on the 8th and the 9th. Of, of February? Yep, a figure. And if anyone wants to get a ticket to that, they could email me at will at Remax Secret Beach, and I'm happy to send some complimentary tickets over. And you know what? With the field trip too, I'm just trying to find this. I have it here, Will. <laughs> I we have so many websites, man. That's the problem. It's uh, it's BelizeInvestmentGuide.com. Perfect. But I'll, I'll put I'll put that in the show notes. I just figured you were going to pull it up real quick. I thought that I'd give you the opportunity there to, to give it out, but. We have yeah, websites now, so we have all these kind of online assets, and when I'm tracking through them, you can forget which one is which. Yeah, so it's BelizeInvestmentGuide.com if you want to hear about the investor trip that Will has available for everyone to check out. Obviously, you can't go in February, but maybe March. March is a good month, too, to get away, even if it is only for a weekend. But sure. um, now, Will... Is the the investment that you're doing now is that in that secret beach area or where where like where are you investing right now? So I'm investing in the secret beach area. Okay. Basically, to kind of dive a little deeper into it, we also have Leonardo DiCaprio who is developing this 250 million dollar eco resort that's off the coast of Secret Beach. It's on an island called Blackador Key. So when we look at kind of the market drivers within Secret Beach. It's kind of a funny thing to say, but DiCaprio has been massive because when he comes in and he says he's going to do this, you see him in New York Times. You see him in just what every major publication. He just had his EIA approved. That's his environmental impact assessment. If you're doing kind of a smaller project, like something I would be doing, we don't need that. But for a big thing like that, he needs one of those. So Secret Beach is being driven not only by the people noticing now how beautiful the West Coast is, 
and wanting to have a destination that you know has the sunset, we also have DiCaprio. So that's kind of more of the up and coming area. Another area I invest in is an area called Mahogany Bay Village. Mahogany Bay Village is a master plan subdivision, gated community. Basically, when you look at the island like we discussed, there was no master plan for it. Like literally there is an elementary school on the beachfront on the East Coast. So when you think about the value of the real estate, elementary school is taking up. I mean, I'm sure the kids are super happy looking at the ocean as they go to school, but it's just crazy to think that things like that have kind of developed. The idea with Mahogany Bay was that it's going to be master plan. There's already a Hilton hotel in there, 20 commercial businesses operational already, including, you know, sushi, all these great restaurants, yoga, spa. So that's another area that I invest in just because I see there's a lot of room for growth still. There's still lots available in there. And there's already kind of really good anchors within the subdivision. So again, it's would I rather invest in a condo on the beachfront or get one of these lots where I can build out multiple units? Mahogany Bay gave me that option and it gave me kind of a way to diversify away from Secret Beach. So both of those areas are kind of my primary point for investment right now. Well, I know it's really, really hard to touch on everything. I think we've done a good job of sort of covering the, uh, the overview of what it means to invest in Belize. But if people want more information, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way? So the best way is shoot me an email, will at Remax Secret Beach. I'm happy to chat about anything we talked about here. If you guys have questions that we didn't cover in the podcast, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about. If you want to just talk about the best place to go for a vacation, I'm happy to share my expertise, share my contacts and make any recommendations for you guys. So shoot me an email, will at Remax Secret Beach. And yeah, I'm happy to chat about any of that stuff. That is fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks for being on the show with us today. I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me, Rob. Thanks very much. And um, well, I know you don't have to get as bundled up as I do, but I got to get all bundled up and go out now. So uh, you enjoy the beach and I'll enjoy that. And, and, <laughs> and I'll enjoy this frigid weather. Oh, it's a tough life. But again, somebody's got to live it. All right. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Rob. Bye.